Welcome to the seventh episode of the Trailside Podcast. In this series, I'll be speaking with cyclists that are part of the Kona Bike Ambassador Program, in which Kona Bikes helps to support cyclists from all over the world. In this episode, I speak with Chad Cheney about being coach and manager to one of the biggest cycling teams in the US and trying to stay up to date on all things coaching. Cool. Um, all right, well, I've hit, I've hit record, so thanks for joining me today, Chad. Um, the, the whole premise behind this podcast is basically, rather than research you and have all the questions prepared and know everything about you, it's more that we jump in and just kind of have a conversation with each other. And I learn about you from you rather than social media. Um, so if you want, if you can just introduce yourself and tell me a little bit about yourself and how kind of cycling is involved in in your life yeah cool nice to meet you colin um i'm 43 i'm an old guy and i live in durango colorado and i i do bikes for work i'm a bike coach for the local college team fort lewis college and then okay. i also coach for durango devo which is a junior development program that i started in 2006 so i can and then i do all these random weird bike things I'll, I'll do any kind of bike job kind of kind of thing those are my jobs though and then i have a family i got a wife and i got two kids this little seven-year-old and a four-year-old and uh yeah i'm loving life awesome yeah. uh, so like are you a professional coach full-time do you train is it um, like adults and kids and youth teams or a bit of everything? Um, kind of a team guy would be my my main jobs roles right now is uh, managing and coaching in the team realm. So uh, Fort Lewis College is, is a mountain bike, cyclocross, road program. So I'm... I'm coaching individuals, skills, and some some training, but it's mainly in the team, you know, aspect. So we practice like it's like a ball sport, you know. We practice three to five times a week, and I'm there and I'm leading practice okay. and I'm I'm doing drills and making fun games kind of thing. And then I go on the race weekends with them and pre-ride them and give them the pep talk and coach them up and go ride with them and have fun and then uh devo i coach juniors like the 18 and under racer cross-country types mm-hmm. and um that's kind of like january through nationals in july and i, I kind of go with the whole season with them so we do a lot of body work and running and games and base rides in the early season together and so I go through the whole season process with those juniors, whereas the college yeah. kids, it's pretty hot and heavy. They come to school, they're going to class, and they're, they're going to practice every day. And then it's, it's like a month and a half long for a mountain bike season. And cross season, the same. It's like six weeks. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But I do that full time. And then I also do their social media for both the programs, which totally sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah you got you got to stay active on all the social media and oh. something like I, I, people don't seem to realize how much work actually goes into oh. it yeah totally 
Um, and how how did you get into that? Like, so I, I imagine you, you cycle yourself, but like, what was it that kind of drew you towards coaching and training? And, um, you know, skills, training and teaching and everything that goes along with it. I guess, you know, a short answer would be I was a ball sports guy when I was a kid. So I loved camps and um, I, I knew how to be coached. I was very coachable. And then in college, I kind of realized I sucked. I wasn't going to be a pro, you know, like I didn't, <laughs> I didn't suck, but I wasn't going to be like a paid professional. You know, you have that real realization uh-huh. and, uh, you know, re- adults around me were telling me that I was good at leading and coaching kids, being around kids, you know, and I had formed mm-hmm. bonds with the local youth um, because I was a regional local racer and I just paid attention to them and talked to them, you know, kind of gave them, gave them the love. And uh, so I was just like, damn, I should start a little bike program and give these kids what they need, you know, make it kind of a uh, you know, a graspable season, something they could all share together and have a consistent coach and teammates and uh, do it right. And uh, so I just kind of did it. That sounds, yeah, that's cool. Yeah. If so there, there, I take it then there was a bit, was there a gap in the market? Is it, is it a popular thing where you were that there's a lot of coaches like professionally working full-time at coaching teams or no. was it a, you know, rare that, and then you saw a gap in the market and decided, right, that's something that's needed and I can do it. Yeah, totally. Like, yeah, cycle coaching wasn't really huge then. I mean, there was coaching for the elites um, at that time in town, but we're from a small area. So it was mainly just me seeing a need and uh, wrangling up these kids and giving them a little, a little program. And then it, it grew exponentially since then and we're we're huge we have like 600 plus kids a year do devo wow my college team fort lewis cycling we're the biggest team in the nation we have 120 to 150 kids on the roster ridiculous Mm. i go to race weekends for collegiate cycling with this this year we had 70 to 80 college mountain bikers that we would have eight rental 15 pack vans, two truck and trailers, yeah. a big old budget rental truck to take all their bikes. And we'd drive to these towns and do like four disciplines in a weekend cross country, short track, down, and then two downhill races. So we have huge numbers here. It's crazy. It's super that, fun. That's insane. Yeah. Like, you, that must be nearly the vast majority of the actual field racers would be comprised yeah, totally. of the entirety of your teams. Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's pretty funny. <laughs> that's that's nuts. Like, so, like you said that you're from a small area, but you have such a massive amount of people there. Or is that because it's like a university level team that there's just everybody coming from other parts of the country to go to university there? So you've got that bigger you like pool to tap into yeah and it's it's durango colorado is is sits at six thousand feet and we've hosted we have this rich cycling history and culture um it's kind of like the bike town of the united states i mean there's bentonville there's all these other destinations now but for like endurance sport and endurance racing like durango is where all the kids who want to be pro cross country or road or cro- cyclocrossers, mm-hmm. it's where they all come. 
okay. for the training. And so that, that's yeah, that's kind of the the dream. If you if you have the goal of trying to get up there to a professional level, that's the place to go mm -hmm. to. Yeah, yeah, it sounds good. That's kind of it's it's like that over here in kind of Europe, but like in Ireland, like we're a small little island, but a lot of the time, you know, we have our own kind of the the cycling federation is called cycling ireland yeah and then they kind of you know but it's still quite small you know there's, there's not a lot of people in this country and the so the cycling community is probably smaller than most cities alone over in the us um but <clears throat> i think a lot of people when they when they really want to push to go to the professional level like they they'll have to leave the country and go over to kind of europe mm -hmm. if they're not going at it privately because there's only so much support that cycling ireland can can give, I suppose. Yeah. Do you, do, we had a rider here when I was coaching, Will Corey. He was a downhiller. Do you remember? The name rings a bell. He was like I a think, national yeah. champ in Ireland. Mm. And uh, McKenna Merton. She was, uh, she was just recently, she's a dual citizen. And she went to Worlds for Ireland in downhill. Yeah. She's a U23 or a junior, I think. But anyway, we've had a few Irish yeah, athletes. No, yeah, the sad part is like they they get no media coverage here. Yeah. Um, and like and even like in the indoor racing, there's uh, Greg Callahan yeah. who's you know sure. right up there at the top, and nobody knows who he is. Dang. Yeah. Like unless you're in the cycling community, you, you'll have an idea, but you know they there's no kind of promotion because I suppose over here it's just all. It's all ball sports mm -hmm. and nothing else really gathers any kind of attention. Yeah. Even though like, you know, we've had some really famous, even road cyclists over the years as well, like real, you know, guys winning Tour de France mm -hmm. and everything like, um, and yeah, it just, it doesn't get the coverage it deserves really. It's a bit of a shame. Yeah. Dang. Yeah. And like the, pretty much everybody knows everybody in the cycling community in Ireland because it's so small. Yeah. Like, you know, you go to the races and you go to events, you're always going to see the same kind of faces and the same people there. Mm -hmm. um, but there's just no kind of real media coverage. Mm -hmm. Other than I think it was last year when one of the juniors won the world champs in downhill. And um, he was in the news for, you know, two days. And then that was it, even though he, you know, he was coming podiums on all the other races, next couple of races in a row and get seconds and thirds and just no, that's it. Dang, Just you yeah. got your you got your five minutes, and then that's it. Then we moved on to the next thing. Totally. Whereas all the soccer teams get you know huge coverage. All the rugby teams get huge coverage. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bit of a shame. It is a shame. Cool sport, man. Yeah, yeah. I, I like it anyway. <laughs> totally. <laughs> and like, what about you? So, you, as you said, you were more into kind of ball sports when you were younger. What was it that got you into? cycling were you always into cycling as a, from a younger age or was it something you took up as when you got older well i'm uh i was born in 1979 so rad the movie came out in 1986 have you seen rad colin i think so bmx 80s silly movie um but anyway it, it sparked a generation's passion for being bmx racers so yeah. when I was six or seven, I wanted to be a pro BMXer because of that movie. But I lived out in the woods. And uh, by the time I was in middle school, I, my dad kind of told me mountain bikes were kind of this new cool thing that you could ride through the woods. And we lived mm -hmm. in the woods. So um, kind of early on, it was my dad telling me that mountain bikes would be cooler than BMX bikes. 
and then around middle school middle you know like um 12 13 i my parents were pretty strict but then they would let me go mountain bike on my own whenever i wanted after school so i was like dude this is sweet i can just do what i want so i started mountain biking more primarily just to get away from the house and just be on my yeah. own time you know and they and it, then I discovered there was trails through the woods, and I was like, what the hell? There's trails through the woods? <laughs> like, this is amazing. And then yeah. I was in a bike shop, and I saw a flyer for a bike race, a mountain bike race. As I was back in the flyer days, you know, bike shops would put up the flyers in the windowsill. Mm -hmm. And I was just blown away that there was competition for mountain bikes. And I was, like, going to all, you know, doing all the ball sports at the time. And so I was like, dude, I want to do this. So I went and did one and I was, it was so awesome. It was just raw and it's suffering and it was this adventure and there was other people. Yeah. And I didn't have the right stuff. You know, I was wearing sweatpants and some <laughs> shitty bike. My dad's, my dad's bike, you know, and I was just like this, I could, you know, trim some things up and, you know, do have a ball at this. So that kind of sparked the interest and then I, I still race to this day i'll race any kind of sport or any any discipline and i just love the the personal depths you go to to figure it out and then during the race the pain and the suffering and then the the glorious moments and then knowing when you finish you're gonna come out maybe you've learned something about yourself so yeah, yeah. cool yeah yeah, that that's uh, it seems to be kind of a, a the same similar story with a lot of people where they just you know if they're not really from a cycling family they just kind of stumble into it and realize oh hey this is actually really good fun and then you know they'll show up to their first race like you said in like sweatpants and the wrong shoes the wrong kind of helmet the wrong kind of clothes yeah, totally. not enough water or any water at all and totally. just come out of it half dead and then realize that yeah I, I suffered but that, that was just awesome fun yeah. And um, so with with the coaching side, then like, did you do you do any training yourself, or do you have any kind of a, like a formal education, or is it just purely through years of experience that you have gained yourself? Yeah, I went to I went to college to be you know I got my degree in exercise science, so I I, okay. I studied it. Um, I when I went to college, I realized it was pretty interesting learning this information and then being a racer myself so I could just apply it to myself. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I definitely, um, train myself, but not really. Like my friends would be like, you're full of shit, Jeannie. <laughs> Cause I, 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 I just ride to have fun, you know? And, um, but I study all the new trends and I'm surrounded by elite endurance people. Like, the kids I've coached and the kids I'm coaching at the college, like they go to the Olymp, like I've coached Olympians and tons of national champions. Oh, cool. But all when they're little kids, you know, like, yeah. like pubescent to college age, um, never adults. And uh, so I've seen it all. And the thing, and I've studied all the different aerobic sports, you know, like Nordic and um, running and skating, all these different kind of aerobic things. And, all the mm -hmm. best elite coaches in the world that you know there's all these training things do this do that but at the end of any of 
any educational thing on coaching, it's like, in the end, it's all about having fun and being personally, intrinsically motivated yeah. to do the sport, you know, and the, for the yeah. right reasons, you know, you're not trying to make money. You're not trying to look cool on social media. You're just trying to do it because mm -hmm. you love it. And so, yeah. and that's kind of my strength is I just happen to love bikes and I can't hide it, you know, and I just, mm -hmm. what comes out of me in my coaching sessions with kids is pure passion and just love for the sport in a, in an advanced, efficient way. You know, I'm not just fucking around all the time, you know, 30% of the yeah. time. Yeah, I'm screwing around big time. But uh, the other 70%, I'm like really targeting those those pleasure zones in everybody's mind that's around <laughs> me. So I think that's my secret. And that's kind of what I've promoted during my career so far is let's mm -hmm. play games. Let's learn how to go hard um without thinking too hard about it and then we're going to come out faster yeah. in the long run and we're going to want to ride when we're 80 you know so mm -hmm. that was that was my my one chip on my shoulder was growing up as a youth there was just so much focus on intervals and the machine and there was never any of this long-term focus like hey you should learn how to commute to school you know nobody ever said that to me yeah they were always just like oh you should be a racer you know this is how you race and all the magazines were like look at lance armstrong you should do this and then all my peers were like trying to train like lance armstrong and i was like this makes no <laughs> sense cycling world like what are we doing like yeah you know and so and uh so the lifetime approach to loving the sport became evident early on when I started that junior program. And so, yeah. So, but yeah, to go back, I like, I'll train to seasons, you know, I like block training. So like when I do coach mm -hmm. athletes, I'll be like, okay, hey, what are your goals? Let's make a little block of training leading up to that goal. Um, or I do one-on-ones with, for like I'll have athletes for like a year. So I'll just go through this whole year with them. And it's more okay. about, you know, breaking the whole year up into all these little blocks of focus to yeah. give them experience in all these different areas. So, yeah. Awesome. Yeah. And like, is training is something I never really got into. I just kind of go out and cycle my bike. And sometimes I get like, I get into these habits of cycling nearly every day or, you know, four or five times a week and then it's nearly like I kind of fall out of love with it and then stop for a month and then kind of go back into it and you know you gotta feel my fitness levels go up and down but like you know I'm not a I just kind of do it because I enjoy it and if I'm not feeling like it I don't um but like is there huge differences between between like training for you know a cross-country cyclist compared to like a cycler cross cyclist and and like I know for for road there probably is because it's more purely about either endurance or sprinting at the very end and then mountain biking you know it's more of a a full body workout because you need the upper body strength as well but like for something like cyclocross compared to um cross country would there be huge differences training I'm, I'm just curious because i don't really know what goes into it yeah you know it's definitely specificity of training is towards the sport you're working on and look in our area here in Durango, we're, we do all the discipline. 
So the majority uh-huh. of the kids that I'm around and coaching are trying to do road in the spring, um, mountain bike all summer, fall, and then cycle cross in the winter. So okay. um, it's basically, yeah, it's very specific. And cycle cross to mountain biking is a total different kind of training. But if I rarely have an athlete that comes to college, it's like I only do cycle cross, you know. They're like, okay. I'm a cycle spot. I'm a cycle, cycle, cycle cross specific athlete, but I'm going to do the whole mountain bike season. So then you have to kind of, and that's not optimal if you were going to try to, you know, be a CX pro, but, um, you know, optimally you would train for one discipline, like in ball sports, you know, not many people are doing, you know, rugby and well, cricket at the same time, you know, <laughs> um, going Euro yeah. there. But in the, the States, there's a lot of like kids that do basketball, football, baseball, you know. Uh-huh. Um, so we do that here a lot with cycling. But but really training is all about setting real goals early on with somebody else and then working backwards in small steps, like having little, little um mini goals leading up to that goal and uh, like with yourself with you know not much training much like i bet if you signed up for a few races a year you would have this like oh gosh i better prepare for this thing that i'm going to do that's going to push me to this new level so that's when training becomes more of a thing in your diet is once Mm -hmm. you start paying someone money to go suffer at their place you know (laughs) (laughs) if i'm paying for it i better do it yeah totally Mm. yep and uh so you said you went to to university or college and studied um was it sports science exercise science or exercise science and was was that a big thing there because like i i see like i've never heard of it until maybe like you know five years ago and, um, you know, you see a lot of people doing it now. Like, you, you'd always see the physiotherapists and things like that. Yeah. But now there's actually people studying the, the real science behind it and, you know, body movements and training mm-hmm. and how everything affects everything else. And it was never a thing. You literally, like, you know, if, if you had a coach, they'd be just somebody there to roar at you to make you go faster. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was no... As far as I'm aware, there was no real kind of more in-depth thought about it. But in the last few years, it seems to be way more popular over here. And there's a lot of people getting into that industry. And there's a lot of more, you know, personal trainers with actual university and college degrees in the fields rather than just some guy that's been into fitness for the last 10 years. So he kind of knows what he's talking about. Yeah. But I suppose it's been a thing for a lot longer over there in the US, has it? If, if you've done it a good few years ago. Yeah, totally. You know, I think it's, 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 um... The specialization of sport kind of started in the late, you know, the 70s, 80s. And then in the 90s, when I was this little ball sports kid, is when all the sports in the States started having traveling teams. So there was always like peewee soccer, you know, that was city Mm -hmm. run and, you know, parents would volunteer coach. But then in the 80s and 90s, all of a sudden, those those parents were like, Hey, we should, we should make a real team of all these good kids, travel them around and make them pro, you know, and go to get scholarships. Uh-huh. 
So I think that kind of happened in the 90s here in the States. And uh, so by the time I was in college, it had, you know, it had been around for a decade maybe, but it was new. Okay. And now, yeah, it's huge. Like there's, at the college I coach at, there's like exercise science is a general broad, you know, degree. But then within that, mm -hmm. there's all these other like specific off offshoots of that that kids can do now. Um, so, but I was I went and did it just because I like coaching, I like cycling, I wanted to learn more about my body and how it worked, the systems, yeah. you know how how to how to juice myself up so I could be faster, really. Mm -hmm. Like I could, I could be completely wrong. It could have been around for a long time over here, but just I, I've never seen it and I've never heard of it. Like you know, but it seems to be definitely way more popular now. You know, doing things correctly so that you're not just injuring yourself mm -hmm. rather than actually training smartly and getting the benefits out of it. Mm -hmm. And like, do you, do you need to stay on top of it constantly? Because I'm sure, like with with all sciences, it's you know every couple of years they're figuring out something new. Like, so does it take a lot of work for you to stay up to date on everything? Um, you know, I I try my best to stay up to date on. I'm not like reading journals or anything. I I tried that okay. for a while, and it's just it's just you have to be in the game big time to to pull that off. Yeah. So really, my education these days comes through athletes coming into town with and and just paying attention to all the elite athletes around me, and then okay. and then YouTube really searching out different sports and what's the what's the what's on their tongue these days you know like what are what are they talking mm -hmm. about um and there's too much of that going out you know what i mean youtube and podcasts you can really yeah. get in the weeds with all this super science and that's what i'm saying like i try to stay on top of it but most everybody comes back to finishing up their youtube episode or their podcast with like <laughs> yeah you know but you got to just love the sport and how do you love the sport i don't know you know we're you know so yeah and they're like yeah do you do or you don't yes and a lot of these a lot of these guys are good at all the science but they just don't know how to motivate and um hmm. teach the love and the passion part and uh, so i always you know i'm good at that so i focus on that a lot um, okay. but, uh, yeah, the, the science has changed a little bit over the years. Like there's a lot of new cool things like, you know, nose breathing and like, um, nutritional, you know, pre-workout nutrition things that have changed in the last 15 years that are like, wow, that yeah. wasn't how it was when I was a kid or when mm -hmm. I was in school and, uh, stretching and, but a lot of it's just the same, you know, a balanced diet of pushing your system to the max and then proper rest and then yeah. actually sleeping and then actually eating good. Like, so when I, when, the, <laughs> yeah. when the kids come to college and they're like, teach me your secrets. Oh, coach. You know, I'm like, dude, mm -hmm. it's actually simpler than ever. You need to figure out how to go to bed and not go to the parties. You need to figure yeah. out how to eat good food and not just like buy, you know, cinnamon toast crunch and pound the whole box in two days. <laughs> you know, like you need to, if you can do those two things, that's step one, you know, yeah. and most kids can't do that, you know? So 
it's really starting sim most kids want the elite high level new new kind of training mm -hmm. um but really they're not even they haven't even gone through the first steps yeah uh, like i i know sometimes as well if i know there's an event on tomorrow if there's just a sporty cycle or the the local cross country race or whatever it is and i have to be up early and i gotta go drive and have everything ready and it's like okay you know i need to be in bed in the seat by a certain time and i never am yeah, totally. or even if i'm in bed i'm like staring at the ceiling or like i'm messing with my phone or yeah. it's like oh I, I remember something it's like oh yeah i'm going to forget tomorrow i better check that and then like I go check it and then I get distracted and I'm mixing four to five minutes later I'm still awake and I'm still messing with my phone and yeah the like even the the most basic thing of just getting a good night a good night's sleep is probably the most important thing and yeah what what good is doing all this training and all this diet and and exercise and if you can't even just go to sleep and and get eight hours or seven hours oh man it's so hard mm. yeah. too many distractions totally yeah, my racing career was, I, I was always the last guy up the night before the race. I loved to party. Mm -hmm. You know, I would, I would, I loved to, to, you know, do whatever everybody else was doing the night before a race. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so I, I've, since I have a family and I'm an old guy now, I've cut that out of my life. And man, it's so much easier to, to go race when I go to bed early. Yeah. So, yeah. My problem is I just procrastinate too much. Yeah. I leave everything to the last minute and then I'm like, right, I need to get my bike ready. Do I have a spare tube? Do I have yeah, these totally. tools? Do I have those tools? Is there sealant in my tires? Do I tune my gears? Is my chain okay? And it's, you know, like 9 or 10 p.m. and I have to be up at like 7 o'clock to go drive to the race the next morning. And I'm like, God damn it, I should have done this yesterday <laughs> yeah. afternoon when I had the time set aside for myself. But instead I was pissing about doing something else instead of doing what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. That's hard. That's my biggest problem. <laughs> just, yeah, just pissing about doing something else that's not really important to what I need to be focusing on. That's common. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you something, but I'd forgotten what I was going to say now. Yeah. Oh, you, you were talking about kind of, when I was asking you about staying up to date and all the newest methods and everything, um... I know you said you, you don't focus too much on it, but it must it must be a a pretty big issue with the fact that everybody contradicts each other. Like, you know, somebody saying, you know, oh, for a diet you need fiber, and the next guy's saying, no, you don't need fiber, you need loads of protein and no carbs, and the next guy's saying, no, it's all about carbs and no protein, and the other guys are saying, you know, it's just everybody just saying everything completely different it must be hard to kind of filter through all the the crap and actually get what is useful yeah you know all my, my all my college kids come from all over the country and they've been raised by different culture cycling cultures and people mm -hmm. you know so some of them grew up just reading magazines you know or not magazines but on the internet some of them probably just learned everything they know on the internet or other people had a little bike program they're a part of so it's really me just getting to know the athletes and figuring out what how they've been raised and what they've learned to be true and figuring mm -hmm. out how I can like you know add um I don't know what I'm trying to say but you know most of them just need to simplify their thoughts on training 
So yeah, there is a lot of things that contradict themselves. But like I was saying earlier, like I usually just have to detune the athlete and be like, you know what? It's simpler than all that. Just don't overeat this and don't over, you know, just eat a balanced diet or eat whatever's in front of you. And, um, yeah, I don't know what I'm trying to say. It is confusing, but like I said, you're just, I'm just always trying to, it seems like I'm always just trying to take the athlete to take one step back and be like, you know what? You're overthinking this. Just go for a fun ride today, (laughs) you know? And then, (laughs) and then here's how to go do that. And then eat, eat right after that, you know, right after you finish Uh a workout, go eat instead of hanging out in your chamois on your phone, laying on the couch, scrolling through your feed because you missed it for two hours. You know, there's a, there's a little window of time there that you just missed and you just need to eat. So it's little, it's simple things like that. But, um, I think in endurance sport world, it's not as, it's not as, um, like it's pretty obvious what to do these days. I'm, I, in in my eyes, uh-huh. from what I'm reading and watching and seeing with the kids, they all they're all doing they all, they're all getting good information for the most part. The one thing I do see though is they want to do it alone. You know, like there's still this stigma. Well, I can't ride with people because I gotta go do my own thing, and um, and that's what I always try to get them, you know, cause they're under 25 years old, under 23 years old. You know, we have, yeah. when, when you get older, you end up riding by yourself all the time cause you get a job and you're uh-huh. busy. So I'm trying to promote like, Hey, this is the time when you should be riding with people and learning from people and sacrificing yeah. your own ideals on the perfect training session just to be with people and learn from them. Even like a slow mm. person, like, the teaching like fast people to how to ride with slow people, you know, cause that's such yeah. an endurance sport thing where like just the fast guys ride together and it's like, uh-huh. then they never know how to ride with a slow person for the rest of their life, you know? So, and this is the time to learn that. So, you know, that, and then uh, another thing I see all the time is riders who just got to get time, you know, they'll, they'll go on a ride with the team and then they'll be like, well, I got my coach, you know, they, they pay people to coach them that don't even live in Durango. And those coaches mm-hmm. don't really know what we're doing over here. But so their coach yeah. is telling them to get three hours. But we rode for two hours and 15 minutes. And so they're like, I mm-hmm. got to go get 45 minutes. So there's just these like unclear directives towards time. Not like training goals in the workout. So like. I see that all the time where kids are just pedaling around mindlessly just to like accumulate Get the time, time on their Garmin, you know, and I'm like, it's a little bit about that, but it's not most of the year. It's not, you know, if anything, you okay. use that time for the rest of your life management. Like you're saying, like, go, go get your bike ready for your race this weekend instead of just tooling around for 45 minutes at some mediocre heart rate and pace, you know? yeah so crazy and so if you like i know kind of online trainers and stuff like that is getting real popular over the last while would would it really make that much of a difference so you know if you're 
you're at 6,000 feet above sea level. So with the climate and altitude, and would that make a huge difference to somebody that's on the other side of the country down at sea level and says, okay, yeah, go do three hours at whatever heart rate. But then, you know, in Durango and they go do a two hour ride, like would it, would it really make that much of a difference? Yeah, I mean, that's the disconnect there with online, you know, not face-to-face coaching, but it is very popular in the United States. And it is a motivator for tons of athletes because a lot of these kids come from places where there is no other biker. You know, they'll be in a town where they're the one biker. So they pay this guy, you know, in some other town, and that's very motivating. But then when they come here, they're still on this one-track mind like, oh, my coach knows what I should be doing. My coach knows me. But then Durango is more like, an experiential culture it's kind of like one of those magical cycling kingdoms where you just if you just show up to all the different group rides and cycling events that people in the town are hosting or putting out there for people to show up you just Uh get really fast because it's so fun and there's so much high level cyclists and cycling going on there so it's hard to blend that old you know your training that you're that's being prescribed for you to this like free form kind of non-scheduled community cycling calendar so it's yeah it doesn't make sense a lot of times but it's a learning process and i think the kids who pay attention and try to transition from their old style of cycling thought to when they move here to being like okay i know I need to learn this cycling culture and the the ones that dive into it and really try to learn it and show up for things, they do fine after a year. So cool. And then sad for their coaches from afar. They usually don't keep (laughs) getting the online coaching because you just don't need it here. You can just for, you know, until you're like elite, then you need to, you're, you're whatever, not just elite, but until your goals change. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, I've never seen another town like it anywhere I've been. I haven't been around the world or anything, but um, we've created this little cycling culture here where it's very competitive, but it's very fun. So it's not like cutthroaty. There's going to be no Hollywood movies made about it, about the big drama. <laughs> it's just pretty no frills. People show up. You know, the, the coffee shops and the, the people in the supermarket know the pro cyclists. It's in the paper. You know, the uh-huh. journalists write stories about the kids who win national championships. And yeah. Cool. Well, I suppose it's good, the fact that it's it's so competitive, but at the same time, it's not, you know, you kind of show up, but you're, you're not on pace with somebody. So you just get kick to the side is like no you're not good enough to cycle with anybody is it is it a bit more inclusive than that or do you just you have no choice but to get faster otherwise that's it too bad good luck to you yeah it's it's very inclusive it's it's up to the individual to keep showing up to get their teeth kicked in is the hard part like (laughs) yeah so i it's i suppose that is a bit demoralizing when you're when you're getting dropped constantly but i suppose if you put in the effort like when it comes back to it like you said as long as you actually just do it because you love it Mm -hmm. you'll keep going back to get your the shit kicked out of you by the other cyclists but you have no choice but to get better better and faster 
Totally. Yeah. So th- there's a, there's a cycle of life where, you know, like I'm 43. So my peer group from college, we were all racers together in college, you know, a, a good number of them have been like, you know, I'm good. I've, I did it for a decade. I always lose, you know, but there's a handful of, you know, there's a handful of every little wave of cyclists that, um, you know, you've learned that, the the health benefits and the mental release and the, the competitive juices flowing is good for you. And you just keep doing yeah. it. You just have to like, so I'm get I'm like 43 and I'm starting to get whooped every time, but my mind is still like, I should be winning this, this, you know? <laughs> like, why aren't I winning? I did everything right. I'm like, Oh yeah, I am getting old. Damn it. But, uh, mm. so that's, that's hard to deal with, but you know, and the kids, that come here that th- that are like the best where they're from um uh-huh. it's it's hard on them and that's a big part of my job is being like no 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 stick with it you are so good you're at the age where you need to you're in the big pool now of fast cyclists and you need to stick this out and figure out your place in this sport so you can love it yeah you know and um but there's a percentage of them that die off right away that get here. You're like, dude, I am so fast. I'm going to make the nationals team for the college. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, what? I got 30th place. And they're like, just baffled. Yeah. They're like, I didn't know people were this fast. They're not that fast in Kansas, you know? And then, <laughs> and then they get sad and then they, you know, so that, that's a big, big, big part of my job is, is being like no, get them this, motivated. Yeah, this is part of it. And then, and then when they when you go home, when you go anywhere else in the country, you're fast. So like when I go back to Oregon, where I'm from, and race, I'm a pretty fast old guy there. Like I'm pretty fast, but in Durango, mm-hmm. I'm like not that fast. And so you just it's your yeah. it's all your perspective. Cool. Yeah. Someday I'll come all to right, Ireland well. and race bikes. Get, get uh, muddy. Yeah, it's yeah. That that's there's plenty of mud over here and rain. It's like I say to everybody: if you wait for a dry day, you'll never ride your bike here. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just well, like you know, we we kind of get two summers. So around kind of May, it's usually quite dry and warm, and then once you hit kind of June, July, it's very hit and miss as whether or not it'll be warm. And then towards the end of August and September, we like get the second kind of dry spell and warm warm weather and then yeah then it's just rain till february march again Man. just rain 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 dude i love so, yeah. riding in the mud i am a mud fiend but durango's mud is clay so it just sticks mm-hmm. and stops your stop your wheels from moving it just clogs up everywhere so are you like sandy suppose, you have like sand um no no it's 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 kind of like clay as well oh. but whatever it is because we get so much rain here anyway the consistency is different so like if you go cycling in the mud, you don't rip the trails to pieces. You don't chew them up yeah. as much. Um, well, that'd be on the natural trails. A lot of the kind of trail centers are more hard packed gravel with rollers and jumps and rocks thrown mm. in. But if you ever to go to any of the kind of unsanctioned trails, then you'll be cycling on slick rocks and roots and, and little muddy patches and stuff. But for the most part, you know, you know, on this, there's a big event that just happens to go through the trail where, you know, it's not built for a hundred riders when there's only ever like 10. Mm-hmm. 
um, the places just don't get chewed up. So we're lucky enough that even when the weather is really, really crap, we can still cycle. Nice. That's, that's my dream. Yeah. <laughs> what, what kind of bikes so, do you ride? Um, so I have the Kona Hey Hey, the CRDL, more of a cross country bike. I just got that one. So that's kind of like my dream bike. And that's, that'll last me as long as I can make it last for. Um, and then, you know, I do enjoy a bit of gravel cycling yeah, me too. and, uh, I have a fat bike whenever the adventure itches, but I don't use that as much as I wish I, I should. Cool. But yeah, over here, um, the roads are, are not great. There's no good cycling infrastructure. It's getting better. Um, we do, we've been getting a lot of uh, funding from the EU to develop mountain bike trail centers and things like that. So the, there's, there's money coming into it and it is, it's a work in progress, but sure. for the most part, I do like escaping on the gravel bike because there's, there's no shortage of little country roads and back roads and gravel dirt roads that just go nowhere. Yeah. And they're all kind of linked up together. It's like access roads for farmers and things like that. Mm -hmm. And you can, where I live on the edge of the city within five minutes, I'm in the countryside and I see nobody and no cars. So it's pretty nice that you can just kind of escape away from the traffic. And, uh, but yeah, there's, there's no huge mountain ranges here either. So we don't have massive, massive trail centers with, you know, ski lifts up to the top and everything. It's so mm -hmm. cross country and, and enduro style riding is, is bigger here than, you know, down here or anything would be because we just don't have big hills. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> we, yeah, I love gravel. But yeah, that's. Too. It's, it's a nice way to kind of escape mm -hmm. and get some of the miles in when you don't feel like torturing yourself on a cross-country technical trail. Yeah, totally. Okay, well, I, I suppose we can, we can call it there. We're coming up nearly on 15 minutes now, but um, thanks so much for giving me an hour of your morning and taking the time out to come and have a chat with me. It was, it was great learning about the, the coaching side and the exercise side of cycling rather than just hitting the trails and shredding. It was, it was, it was good to learn about something different. Yeah, thanks Colin, thanks for having me.